0: Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of potassium-sparing diuretics from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 63-year-old man with a history of congestive heart failure presents with increased pedal edema and worsening orthopnea. He reports that he has been taking his lisinopril as prescribed and adhering to a low-salt diet. Physical exam shows 2-plus pitting edema in the knees bilaterally and faint crackles on auscultation of the lungs. Left ventricular ejection fraction is measured by echocardiogram and found to be 33%. This is decreased from his last measurement of 38%. He is put on an additional medication. This is a case of congestive heart failure exacerbation. Let's now get into the topic. Let's first talk about spironolactone and epleronone. The mechanism of action of these drugs are that they are competitive aldosterone receptor antagonists in the cortical collecting tubule. They reduce potassium secretion by decreasing activity of the epithelial sodium channel, or ENAC, and the apical potassium channel. In terms of clinical use, you would use these drugs for hyperaldosteronism, potassium wasting from loop or thiazide diuretics, congestive heart failure, where they decrease ventricular remodeling and reduce mortality and as an antiandrogenic where you would be able to treat female hirsutism in terms of toxicity these drugs can cause hyperkalemia and spironolactone has antiandrogenic effects hyperkalemia can result in arrhythmias and antiandrogenic effects can cause gynecomastia in men but note that eplerenone causes gynecomastia to a lesser extent the next set of drugs that we'll talk about today a and amelioride. The mechanism of action of these drugs are that they block the ENAC in the cortical collecting duct, thereby leading to decreased sodium reabsorption. Hence, they indirectly reduce potassium secretion by creating a more positive luminal potential. And they indirectly decrease the activity of the apical proton ATPase and reduce the secretion of protons. They do not cause antiandrogen effects. In terms of clinical use, They are used in congestive heart failure, potassium wasting, and lithium-induced nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, particularly amylaride. In terms of toxicity findings, you would see hyperkalemia and normal anion gap metabolic acidosis. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 71-year-old man presents to his cardiologist for ongoing management of his medications. He says that he has been taking all of his medications as directed and has good control of his symptoms. His past medical history is significant for hypertension and congestive heart failure. He had an episode of decompensation after he ate a big meal during Thanksgiving. Physical exam reveals a heavy man with increased jugular venous distension and 2-plus pitting edema to the knees bilaterally. He is also found to have rails in the lung bases and enlarged breast tissue bilaterally. The medication most likely responsible for his physical exam changes acts on which of the following regions of the kidney? 1. Collecting duct 2. Distal convoluted tubule 3. Glomerular arterioles 4. Loop of Henle or 5. Proximal convoluted tubule And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, collecting duct. This patient with congestive heart failure who is developing gynecomastia most likely is suffering from the side effects of spironolactone, which acts upon the collecting duct of nephron. Remember, spironolactone is a diuretic that functions as a competitive aldosterone receptor antagonist. It acts on the collecting duct of the nephron to reduce sodium reabsorption by decreasing the activity of the epithelial sodium channel, or the ENAC. Since sodium reabsorption is accompanied by potassium secretion in this region of the nephron, these drugs will function as potassium-sparing diuretics. They can be used to treat congestive heart failure as well as female hirsutism. Important side effects include hyperkalemia and gynecomastia. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, distal convoluted tubule, is the site of action for thiazide diuretics that can also be used in hypertension and congestive heart failure. However, the major side effects of these drugs are hypercalcemia, hyperlipidemia, and hyperuricemia. Answer choice 3, glomerular arterioles, are the site of action for angiotensin receptor blocker drugs. However, the major side effects of these drugs are decreased glomerular filtration rate and hyperkalemia. Answer choice 4, loop of Henle is the site of action for loop diuretics such as furosemide, which can be used in patients with acutely decompensated congestive heart failure. However, the major side effects of these drugs are autotoxicity and interstitial nephritis. And finally, answer choice 5, proximal convoluted tubule is the site of action for osmotic diuretics such as mannitol as well as acetazolamide. The side effects of acetazolamide include neuropathy, renal stone production, and ammonia toxicity. In summary, spironolactone is a competitive aldosterone receptor antagonist that acts on the collecting duct of the nephron. Next question. An 81-year-old man with a history of congestive heart failure presents to his cardiologist because he has been feeling increasingly short of breath while lying down. Specifically, he says that he is now no longer able to sleep flat on the bed and instead has to be propped up on multiple pillows. In addition, he has been experiencing increased swelling in his legs. Finally, he reports that he has been experiencing muscle cramping and weakness. He reports that he has been taking a diuretic as prescribed and adhering to a low-salt diet. Physical exam reveals crackles on lung auscultation bilaterally and 2-plus pitting edema in his legs bilaterally. Left ventricular ejection fraction, or LVEF, is measured by echocardiogram and found to be 36%. This is decreased from his last measurement of 41%. He is put on a second diuretic that is a channel blocker with an additional effect that corrects an electrolyte imbalance in this patient. Which of the following medications is consistent with this description? 1. Acetazolamide 2. Amilaride 3. Furosemide, 4, hydrochlorothiazide, or 5, spironolactone. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, amylaride. This patient with signs of congestive heart failure as well as muscle cramping and weakness most likely has hypokalemia due to chronic thiazide use the new channel blocker diuretic that also compensates for hypokalemia is therefore most likely amylaride. Remember, amylaride and triamterene are epithelial sodium channel blockers, or ENAC, that work on the collecting duct of the nephron. Since this channel is responsible for the bulk of sodium absorption in this segment, these diuretics can lead to synergistic sodium excretion when used in combination with other diuretics. Furthermore, in the collecting duct, the absorption of sodium leads to a luminal negative charge that results in potassium or proton excretion. Therefore, use of these channel blockers will also result in potassium and proton sparing. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, acetazolamide, is a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor that acts primarily on the proximal tubule. However, it would not be used in this situation, nor would it correct potassium defects. Answer choice three, furosemide is a loop diuretic that acts primarily on the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle. However, this diuretic would worsen hypokalemia because it is a potassium-wasting diuretic. Answer choice four, hydrochlorothiazide is a loop diuretic that acts primarily on the distal convoluted tubule. However, this diuretic would worsen hypokalemia because it is a potassium-wasting diuretic. And finally, answer choice 5, spironolactone, is a competitive aldosterone receptor antagonist that acts primarily in the collecting tubule. It would have the same effects as amylaride, however the mechanism of action is not blocking a channel. In summary, amylaride and triamterene block the epithelial sodium channel in the collecting duct of the nephron. And that's all for this review about potassium-sparing diuretics. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on medbullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.